What's up gamers, I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the podcast for gamers who watched all three hours of the Game Awards so that you wouldn't have to. Yeah, so a little a little event happened a couple days ago, nothing major, just like a little kickback. Um, a little get together. It's called the Game Awards. It's Gaming's it's biggest night. Yeah. Gaming's biggest night. Clearly they never heard of the mini Smash tournaments I used to have in my dorm cuz that was Gaming's biggest night. But <laughs> this is one one of Games Gaming's bigger nights, I guess. Um those Game Awards were sure some awards. Um I don't know. I've never like I I've like passively watched the Game Awards in the past, not the whole thing. But I'll like keep it monitored these past couple years. Like, oh, is the game I really like going to get game of the year? Just kind of like scrolling through Twitter. But this is the first year I actually like sat my ass down and like watched the whole thing. Like, can't like no plans tonight, no cooking tonight. Like, order takeout, just watching the game awards. Um, and I don't know. It's kind of underwhelmed. The vibes were off, or the vibes always off, or is it just this year? Is I. Off? So I've watched the Game Awards semi-religiously for the past couple of years. Uh, I know it's been going on for like six or seven years, and then yes. it's also born out of the Spike Video Game Awards, which I never watched at all. But oh. I don't know. I watch it. That was Jeff Keighley's like first biz doing this was the Spike Video Game Awards. And so then that kind of morphed into an independent thing, which is this one. And yeah, the vibes are pretty horrendous. I uh, I usually watch it with like the same group of friends and Usually we just like we all hopped on a Discord call and just watched it. Uh, one of my friends fell asleep about an hour in and didn't wake up until the end. I understand. Uh, I'm thinking like two years ago when I watched it, I was stoned the entire time and don't really remember much of it. That's the best yeah, way to watch it. I did this completely s- lucid, stone cold, sober, just like drinking water. I do. Yeah. yeah the the vibes are pretty horrendous though i don't know i i don't want to offend anybody who like maybe really enjoys the game awards but i have always kind of found them to be this exercise in insecurity that's like yes it's conducted by people who are like trying to get video games treated as seriously as something like the oscars and the grammys but i think more and more we live in a time where like if you just shut up about it they largely are taken a hell of a lot more seriously than they used to. Like, you don't have to bring an orchestra on stage to play the music from the League of Legends TV show for people to take video games seriously. So, I I don't know. The vibes are questionable. I will agree with that. You do not need to drag Sting's geriatric self up there. He's, like, falling asleep halfway through the song. Don't come after Sting like that. He's sounding great. He's only 70. Don't be mean to Sting. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, especially when you the difference between this and a show like the Oscars, the VMAs. I used to watch the VMAs religiously as a kid because I was hyper vigilant watching to make sure Justin Bieber won everything he was nominated for. Let's go. <laughs> the difference between this and a, a traditional award show is that the traditional award shows feature a lot of awards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and yeah. I have two beats with it. A Sound design wasn't even included in the main show. It was part of the pre-show, which, like, the Grammys and the Tonys, again, a award show I watch religiously as a theater lover, also have this issue of, like, 
not caring about sound design or sound production and like having those awards be read out loud during the pre-show or during commercial breaks which is incredibly shitty and as a person who produces audio for a living it makes me mad that's one beef i have that's the beef i have with all award shows not just the game awards but the beef i have specifically with the game awards and i don't know if it's a beef or not honestly it's just like a weird observation is that the ratio of like hype and commercials to actual awards like, it might as well just be, like, E3 with some trophies and some nicer clothes. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And not even nicer clothes, frankly. Honestly, yeah, people are really, clothes. like, wearing jeans. People are out there, like, it's a... Like, the, it's a... They're wearing, like, sparkly sneakers and black jeans. It's it's not Sunday best, but it's, like, youth group. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, like, I don't think... I don't think you can pretend that your goal is to be taken more seriously as an art form and as a medium for interesting stories and for interesting experiences when your three-hour award show is like 75 percent commercials for stuff and nobody shows up in a tuxedo like i'm sorry it's, it's not I don't know. and that's not to say i don't like hype and i don't like watching new trailers or games like i'm a bitch yeah, who loves an in- i love a good nintendo direct i love a yeah. little state of play you know but like don't they're not deluding themselves and calling themselves red carpet events. Like, like I don't know, like, <laughs> people on Nintendo are not rolling out a red carpet for, like, Mario to walk on it. I don't know, like, Chris Pratt's Mario to show up in a tuxedo. But They did roll out the red carpet for the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Also, can we just talk about the hosting and just, like... I like Jeff has yeah. been doing this for a long time, but the vibes he gave me was like a substitute teacher that was like he had like a really out of control class and he was like one snarky comment away from having a mental breakdown. You ever go to substitute yeah. teachers when you're in high school and like the whole class is just being shitty and like one kid like does one thing and the teacher just like goes ape shit like that <laughs> I feel like that was Jeff. He was like right there. The issue with that too was like I I don't know what I expected, and this is not an original thought by any means. Other people who have been observing this stuff for far longer have said this more eloquently than I'm going to. But with a crowd like this and with as many eyes on it as this, now was the night to actually take some kind of a stand or actually speak truth to power in terms of all of the abuses that are going on in the video game industry right now. And like there was there was a tweet, I think it was uh I think it was a Jason Schreier tweet video game journalist and host of the podcast Triple Click, um, where he made the comment, the show opens with this mealy-mouthed commentary from Jeff Keighley about how abuse is not accepted anywhere in our industry, and they put a hotline up, and they were like, if you're experiencing any kind of harassment, call this toll-free hotline. And then he immediately goes, time for a trailer for a new video game from David Cage's Quantic Dream. David Cage's Quantic Dream is a company that has had so many complaints about sexism about racism about homophobia levied at them to the point that when newspapers in europe were recounting this cage sued them for libel like it's so frustrating it's it's insane like it's or how the (laughs) game of the year award was delivered by and this i understand the game of the year award was delivered by the director of the game that won game of the year last year so that's neil Druckmann from naughty dog who produced um the last of us the last of us too yeah and so he gets up there but the naughty dog is another company that has had all kinds of complaints levied at it in terms of mandatory crunch in order to get their games done on time 
like forcing people to work 12 hour days in order to get this stuff out Mm -hmm. and it's it's so so frustrating yeah and 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 riot games and ubisoft and like I mean, I guess you could say this about a lot of game yeah. studios. It's just like the industry just has like some serious rot at its core. Yeah. And uh, again, I think you and I had this conversation the last time we talked about Activision. I think this is less of a commentary about the video games industry and more a commentary about industries in general and the way they currently function under capitalism. But I mean, video the video game indus- industry in particular just has so much rot in it. Like you said, I was looking at yeah. who sits on the board of directors for the video game awards, and it includes people like the Activision president. Activision currently undergoing a ridiculous amount of stuff and claims of harassment and whatnot. The yeah. latest of which include uh, I don't know if you saw this Activision employees complaining about their breast milk being stolen from Activision refrigerators so that they could make more room for beer amazing that yeah or another person that sits on the game awards board of directors is the ceo of ubisoft another company that had a reckoning just a year or two ago Mm -hmm. for sexual harassment in the company so it's just it's a lot yeah. I was almost hesitant to watch it this year because of all of this stuff going on and how I was not anticipating this. But. Yeah, and not to mention the recent news of Activision's uh, union busting. There's yeah, this let's very go. ominous email sent out by one of, its ex- one of its execs, which, by the way, happened to be a member of the Trump administration at one point. Just wanted to like throw that let's, out there. Let's um, just fucking go, yeah. Who basically said, by the way, there will be consequences if you sign your name on a union card. Um, that's not, like, ominous or threatening at all. That's not creating a toxic workplace environment where you feel like you have to look over your shoulder for any reason. At all. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating. I don't know. Yeah, I, it uh, is. I think I listened to... For people who are interested more about like the history of the Game Awards and that kind of thing, the podcast Triple Click did a really good episode breaking down the history of it. And I think their host, Kirk Hamilton, kind of said it best where he said there are no ethical award shows under capitalism, which I hate to be like that, but I think in many ways that's true. Yeah, it was it was wild. And I just the whiplash, like you were saying, the whiplash of being like, we stand against harassment. Anyway, here's Quantic Dream. Like, <laughs> yippee. Yay. Now that we're done, well, now that we have complained seriously about the rot that lives at the center of the video games industry <laughs> and how we just tried to ignore that on gaming's biggest night, do you want to tell me some of the stuff you were excited about from the presentation? Yeah, sure. There, there's some things I'm, I'm excited about. Um, I know that's just kind of like a weird transition. I'm sorry. But like, we're here to talk about Game Awards and there's bad and there's some good and that that's just how it be sometimes and this is gonna sound really cringy but there's a lot of sonic content and i'm kind of excited for it <laughs> it's like it, it's a weirdly high amount of sonic content for one award show like i don't think there's ever like in my opinion at least there really hasn't been like a groundbreaking like woo like flying off the shelf sonic game since like at least like 15 years but yeah i think i think the last one you could really call a groundbreaking title is probably one of the ones on the dreamcast so it probably has been a good 15 20 years the chow garden was like the best fucking thing in a sonic game and i wish they would bring it back i like the the music of the chow garden still lives like completely rent free in my brain like just 
But yeah, so we got this like Sonic Hedgehog Breath of the Wild thing going on. Um, actually looks really cool, and I really feel nervous about getting my hopes up about this because I have bought several Sonic games in the past that have just all been letdowns, and I just I just really want some Breath of the Wild esque thing that I mean we're not really getting any new news about the Breath of the Wild sequel, so I guess this might. This might do something for me, but I'm just nervous about putting my hopes up. And then I also have to say that Sonic movie sequel with, like, Idris Elba as Knuckles, which, like, way too many people are horny for Knuckles now. I- there's just a lot going on there. Um, <laughs> I- I would- I wouldn't mind watching it. I wouldn't mind taking one of my cousins or one of my nephews to it, or potentially just streaming it at home with a couple of drinks, because it looks fun! I really liked the headline that The Verge put out after the trailer dropped is Idris Elba failed to make Knuckles not sound sexy in the first Sonic the Hedgehog I swear to God, trailer. that was like as the awards were happening. <laughs> Some journalists had that pre-written. Like he already had, they already had that opinion and they were just like ready to just to hit the submit button. They had yeah. that pre, they, they, that was premeditated. The crazy thing about Sonic though is that like, Sonic Team has not made a Sonic game that everybody can agree upon was good in, like, like you said, like 15, 20 years. The last game that I think everyone agrees is good is Sonic Mania, which is the one that is literally just designed to look and feel like an old Genesis game. So I think it is kind of amusing every time they put out a trailer for one of these games where it's like we all have to just kind of pretend that the last ones were absolute garbage. And you know what? I don't I don't really see a world in where Sonic Breath of the Wild is good or feels good to play, but I'm glad that it exists. I just wanted to add just a little throwback memory. The last Sonic game I ever played was called Sonic in the Secret Rings, and it was for the Wii, and it had this, like, Arabian Nights thing going on, and it was basically just, like, Sonic in some, like, Prince of Persia-esque situation. (laughs) And, like, I don't know who the fuck thought that was a good idea, but, like, nine-year-old me was like, I hope this one's good. Like, <laughs> That was the same era where Sonic and the Black Knight came out, too, where it was, like, Sonic the Hedgehog in Arthurian legend for some reason. So it, you would encounter Knuckles, and he would be like, it's me, Sir Lancelot. And it's what? like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Sonic is on some Kingdom Hearts shit sometimes, with just, like, the situations they put him into. Um, yeah, honestly. Yeah. You know what we could use? A new Shadow the Hedgehog game to just, like, create a whole new generation of edgelords. God. I loved the Shadow the Hedgehog game. The fact that it was just Sonic the Hedgehog, but with third-person shooting and guns, was just, like, it scratched some kind of itch in my, like, weird, edgy, nine-year-old, twelve-year-old brain. Like, it was, it was good. It was actually a really good game, I must say. And then the other thing I am excited for is the Cuphead, the Delicious Last Course DLC. Because first of all, like, I know you were just roasting the idea of bringing in a whole, like, orchestra and band to, like, play a League of Legends song. But, like, I really loved, like, the Flapper Girls. Like, there's just some, like, theater kid brain part of me that's like, oh my god. Like, they have the little microphones and, like, a little headband. Like, I was just, it's so cute. And... I love the trailer for the Cuphead, how they use, like, animatronics, very, like, Disney It's a Small World-esque type of, of animatronics or puppetry, and I'm just excited for it. It is weird to release a DLC, like, five years after a game comes out. I feel like there's usually 
some sort of norm around that, like no more than two to three years after a game comes out, you add more content, but like, I'm for it. I do have a love-hate relationship with Cuphead because I'm just really fucking bad at it, but I do enjoy it. Um, I'm so bad at it, in fact, that when my fiancé and I first started dating, we couldn't get through the first level together. And I felt like <laughs> I was just like a like a anchor tied to his ankle because he was actually good. And mm -hmm. I was just like dying constantly. So we'll see. Maybe I'll give it another shot. I've never played Cuphead, but I really like the art style and the music. I just I'm not very good at those kinds of like run and gun type games. So it's, I don't know, it's never really been something that's hugely on my radar, you know? I think it's more fun if you have, if you're playing it co-op with a friend. I think that's just, like, the whole yeah. vibe of it. Like, I know people who have cleared it, like, solo, but it's just one of those games I just want to play it with someone, you know? Um, and then the last thing I think we could both agree on, Elden Ring trailer looks, it just looks goes so awesome. hard. It looks fucking awesome. Fuck, it looks good, yeah. Oh my god! I was on, I told you I was on Discord watching the Game Awards with some of my friends, and when the Elden Ring trailer came on, I was like, alright, everybody shut up, I want to watch the Elden Ring trailer in complete silence. Like, no more, no more so shitposting. fucking cool. Yeah. I'm so excited for that game. I know. It was, the art was beautiful, just like, just individual, like, strands of hair, and just like, Oh my god, just like the way like light and darkness shift and the character design, like I was I was honestly hype. It was beautiful. And that is the only reason why I was happy to see it up so late was to see that. Every other thing I was like, what? Yeah, we've talked a little bit about like how the game awards went in the middle of it, but can we talk about how bonkers it is that the three hour fucking program that they had for video games ended with an extended thing about the new matrix movie and the announcement for some kind of like matrix unreal engine experience type thing yeah i i don't know who that's for <laughs> like i guess if you just like really love the matrix and it's like your favorite series ever like good for you i'm happy you are having your moment i don't understand it um what are your thoughts i'm just kind of flabbergasted I thought it was kind of a weird thing to end on, you know? I was kind of anticipating, like, a blowout for a new game. Or, like, I don't know, remember a couple years ago when the Game Awards ended with the announcement that they were doing Smash DLC and Joker from Persona 5 was going to be the first character? Yeah, that was, that that was, was like, a big deal. That was huge. Yeah, that was huge. That was really cool. And this year it ended with, like, Keanu Reeves introducing a virtual experience to tie into the new Matrix movie. And, like, I don't know. I think if you're trying to... If you're really trying to celebrate the fact that it's gaming's biggest night and that gaming is, like, such a unique medium, it's kind of cool to celebrate weird niche things like DLC for a huge fighting game. That kind of deal, you know? It's like, Yeah, I agree. It's kind of cool to lean into it rather than to lean into the fact that video games can be used to make supplemental content for movies. Yeah, again, it's like, I don't know. I agree with you. It's a little weird. And also just, like, there are some other things they feature there that have really nothing to do with gaming. Like, the Spotify wrapped, like... These are the top artists that are streamed on consoles. Shout out, though. Lil Nas X was one of them. So that's cool. Yeah, shout out, though. Yeah, good for Lil Nas shout X. Shout out to Lil Nas X. But, like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, why Why is that there? Does it make any... I don't know. I, I just thought that was really trivial and just, like, who's out here, like, woo, like, oh, look at these top five Spotify artists. Like, I don't know who does that. But, yeah. And then besides that... um. Some news towards the end of the night that I saw on Nintendo's Twitter. 
that Banjo-Kazooie will be part of the Switch Nintendo 64 expansion soon, so... Nice. It's exciting shit. I, I've i never actually beat Banjo-Kazooie, and I would love to revisit it. But yeah, what were, what were you excited about? Man, I... Okay. I was pretty excited when we were making our Google Doc with stuff that neither of the... Th- or none of the things we were really excited about other than Elden Ring really overlapped, so we could each kind of talk about different stuff. Yeah. One game I was really excited about when they showed the trailer that kind of came out of left field was this game called Chia or Chia. I don't really know how you pronounce it, but it's a I I don't mean I hate to call it this because it does kind of sound like it's diminishing it, but it does look very Breath of the Wild inspired. It's developed by a company called Awaseb. Again, don't know 100% how to pronounce it. And the company is based on the island New Caledonia, which I had never heard of before watching the Game Awards. They're off the coast of Australia, and it's a French collective, which kind of sounds to me like it might be some kind of weird colonial holdover, but I don't know. But it looks really cool. It looks like Breath of the Wild, but leaning into one, like, indigenous inspirations and really cool vibes like that, as well as it had a very similar thing as in Breath of the Wild, when you're like falling and you stop and you aim and it kind of slows down in this slow motion. And then when it did that, the character like threw their spirit into a bird and then they were flying. Like, I think Whoa. that looks really cool. And I'm a huge proponent for more game companies like aping Breath of the Wild. It was it was such a good game. And if Nintendo is not going to make a ridiculous amount of Breath of the Wild for us. I just want to see other companies really take the kind of stuff that really resonated with people. So that game looks awesome. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you about the whole Breath of the Wild. Like, if they're not going to give us a sequel anytime soon that we're aware of, like, it's good to have, like, alternatives. But then sometimes I get my hopes up too high. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I really shouldn't be expecting some revolutionary shit out of the Sonic game, but here I am being like, will he have a paraglider? Like, no, he isn't. What? You know? So. <laughs> he doesn't need a paraglider because he has tails. Tails could just, like, carry him around and fly. True. Hey, let's see. Another game I was really excited for was the announcement that there's going to be a new Dune game, and it's going to be a real-time strategy game. Did you see this? I am so fucking hyped. I saw this and I immediately thought of you because your your little anthology of Dune games a few episodes back and I was like, I know yeah. one human being who is excited about this. Exactly one. So when they were showing that trailer off, it became clear that it was a Dune game because it was like showing a bunch of sand and there was a voice in the background that was going like, Arrakis, my Arrakis, Dune. And I was I was really worried that it was going to be like, a third-person action game or, like, just kind of an action-y type game, which, don't get me wrong, I think something like that would be really cool if we lived in a world where we were going to get more than just one Dune video game, and then if it flopped, we were never going to get a Dune video game again. But if we have to get just one, I'm really glad that they're making it a strategy game. Because, like you said, as I've explained, Dune, the series, as a Genesis game, practically invented the real-time strategy genre, So to see them, rather than, like, with their entire ass, try to just ape something else, see that they're kind of going back to the series' roots is so, so cool. Yeah, I was actually a little nervous about that trailer because, again, you have, like, this large palm, this large hand, and, like, the sand, and, like, the the sun or the moon, and, like, this really beautiful visual. And I had, it's just, like, the the paranoia in me 
I had a feeling that any second now they're gonna zoom out just on like shitty graphics and it's like a mobile game for your phone. You know, like this Clash of Clans yeah. trailers, you know what I'm talking about? Like at some point, like when the speaker yeah. is like, or stops, is stopped being like Arrakis and like a Batman voice, they're just gonna like yeah. zoom out and it's gonna look like Clash of Clans. I, I was kind of imagining it would zoom out and it was Timothy Chalamet, but in the graphics of one of those old banner ads that was like, Sir, our castle is under attack. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm glad we were both wrong. <laughs> that would have been really funny either way. Uh, speaking of games that are inspired by book series, another game that completely caught me off guard but I'm weirdly excited for is Gollum. The full name of the game is The Lord of the Rings, colon, Gollum. I don't really know what the deal is with this game. The trailer, which was purely cinematic, made it look kind of like it was going to be like Home Alone. Like. I imagine it's going to be something like a uh, like a tower defense game, maybe, because it shows Gollum and he's like in a cave and he's like, I got to protect my precious. And then there's some orcs and then he like spills some hot magma on them. So in my mind, it's going to be like a Bloons tower defense type deal. I, that's probably not what it's going to be like because it's going to be a big budget console game. But I remain mystified by the fact that there are still video game adaptations of anything the lord of the rings like that's deeply amusing to me so Gollum, i'm glad it exists yeah um i i just want to know who this is for besides you like <laughs> like who is out here like jumping up and down in excitement that there was a Gollum game like i just i it's so strange to me like i'm not I'm not like a big Lord of the Rings person, but from what I gather, like Gollum isn't like a great guy. Like he's not like is he beloved? Like I, I don't understand like the appeal of Gollum. I don't think Gollum really has the kind of like uh star power as somebody like a like a baby Yoda or something. I don't know. We need baby Gollum to compete. Fuck, I would play a baby Gollum game, especially baby since Gollum? like Oh fuck it, baby Dobby? Just get all Maybe of those shriveled up Jim Henson creatures and make them babies. Be billionaires. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, according to an article from the Hollywood Reporter, the Gollum game is apparently going to take place before the events of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. So I I don't this is this is Gollum's origin story, except not quite, because like you already know his origin story where he was just like a Hobbit guy who got corrupted by the one ring. So I still remain steadfast in thinking that this is going to be like you live in a cave and you have to prevent people from coming into your cave, like Home Alone. And I think that would be really funny. Yeah, that would be really funny. I would. I honestly am excited to see the reviews for this game. Um, yeah. Just for the sake of the humor of it. This isn't something I was like explicitly excited for, but one game that won several awards that night was uh, It Takes Two. And I believe that's one you've played, right? Yes. I'm so, so happy to see game? that it won the things that it won. Uh, I love It Takes Two. It has like all the emotions of a Pixar movie, but you're playing it, and that really got me in my feels. I played it um, with my fiance, because who else would I play a game about relationships with besides the person I'm in a relationship in? Um, I mean, I guess you could like play this with like, a friend or a roommate, but it's a little intimate. I don't know. It's a little emotional. Uh, <laughs> and What's it like? about or like what kind of game is it okay so the premise of the game is that you are a married couple 
you've decided mm. that things aren't working out and you're going to get divorced. And so you're kind of having some oh. back and forths about when to tell your daughter. The mom is like a girl boss engineer and the dad's a stay-at-home himbo, which I actually kind of love. Okay. Um, he's like an adorable himbo and she's like a no-nonsense engineer boss lady. And mm -hmm. one of y'all is in the shed cleaning out some things and you find an object that uh, very Alice in Wonderlandy turns you small, turns you into like basically like a wooden doll um, type of figure and you're kind of in this together and you're like, how do we become normal again? You go through all these adventures and these adventures. Um, you're also in conversations with a talking relationship book, like one of those like fix your marriage type books who has the yeah. voice of like a stereotypical Latin lover. Oh, voice God. like very like ricardio type thing and uh you go through all these levels that are reminiscent of milestones in your relationship and uh it's kind of like remembering why you were together and deciding like should we get divorced or can we fix this type thing hmm. and the gameplay is fun it's a lot of co-ops like there's a lot of things where you need to both be on a thing at the same time to like paraglide or uh, activate a toy or you know solve a puzzle and it's honestly wonderful and I probably yeah. one of my favorite games I've ever played actually but one of the awards that this game won was best family game would you say that it's a family game that sounds kind of heavy to me yeah but I mean it's Pixar movies are family movies and they're heavy I okay. mean Inside That's Out good. had a character just like die by being like falling into the memory hole I mean that was heavy oh. as hell like that was really dramatic and then, like, yeah, up, like, that kid's mom, that kid's dad was cheating on his mom. Like, that's pretty heavy. So, it's it's heavy in, like, a, in the Pixar sense of, like, oh, ooh, that's sad. But, you know, I'm not going to spoil the ending, because, again, a lot of people probably are interested in this game. But, yeah, this could be a family game. There's, like, no, I, like, I could totally see my parents letting me play this game when I was 12. Hmm. Okay. Um, there's, like, no gore or, like, serious, like, adult content so yeah i was kind of skeptical because the family game category was like all nintendo games and it takes two which it's pretty cool that it takes two one over all of the nintendo games yeah nintendo kind of monopolizes that genre yeah so it was it was kind of cool to see an independent developer take that home but i didn't know enough about the game to really be surprised or one way or another so yeah, the other thing I was watching, and some people were kind of confused about this, is that I believe it also won the best multiplayer game, and it takes two, You there's only two players that can play at the same time, so does two-player count as multiplayer? How do you feel about that? Because people think multiplayer, they think of like, games you can get online and play like a bunch of people, um, like lots of people at a time, or games like Smash, where you can play with like how many players at the same time, like some astronomical amount that's like simply too much for the screen. Whereas It Takes Two is a two-player co-op. Does that really count as multiplayer? So the best multiplayer game category included Back for Blood, which is like a Left for Dead style game, if I'm correct about that. Knockout City, which is like a sportsy one. It Takes Two, Monster Hunter Rise, which I did not know that had multiplayer. And then New World and Valheim, which are both like those kinds of ones you were talking about. Like you play online with a thousand other people. So yeah, I am kind of surprised that the one that is like two-player took that home but i don't know that's that's kind of cool i guess and then i believe it won game of the year so did it win a game of the year i don't even remember what bro i think it did year. at this point i was deliriously yeah. tired 
Yeah, same. It was the motherfuckers on the West Coast. This thing ended at 11 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm out here like, I worked all day, man. Like, I'm Can I please host this somewhere in Central time, like Texas? That would be, or... that would be excellent. It also kind of caught me off guard because, again, the awards had so little pomp and circumstance to them compared to the world premiere that happened every 10 seconds. So it was like... There would be six trailers back to back. Oh my six god, that transition graphic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would be like six trailers back to back, and then Keely would be like, time to announce an award. And in a matter of three seconds, they would give out the award. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, oh, whoa, that went by so fast. Yeah, world premiere. And it's, oh my god, it was so much, so much overload. I need time in between world premieres to like digest it. Like, was that good? How do I feel about that? Am I interested in that? And instead, I was just like bombarded with the next, like Death Loop, Borderlands, Left 4 Dead looking game. Also, those games. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to shit on people who enjoy like action games. Like you do, you. I'm glad you're having a good time. Those games kind of look the same to me. No, I mean, are you talking about the ones that are like the shooter third person ones that all kind of look like they could be Fortnite or Player Unknown's Battlegrounds? And yeah, they kind the of have flashes. like vaguely cartoony, like almost archer y yeah. type graphics. Yeah, and then the name flashes, and I'm like, I've never heard of this one. Did this one exist beforehand? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how I felt about that as well. I'm glad the games I liked won a lot of awards. I'm, I was glad to see Metroid Dread win Action Adventure. Um, a lot of people were not expecting that from what I was seeing on social media, and honestly, neither was I. So I'm glad that Metroid got some love. I know it probably won't really push the needle with Nintendo, because... I've seen jokes online where people are like, Nintendo doesn't need the Game Awards, but the Game Awards needs Nintendo. And I don't think the higher-ups at Nintendo really give too much of a shit about whether or not a game won an award at Jeff Keighley's Game Awards. But it is kind of cool to see Metroid get some kind of love, considering they make those games so infrequently. Yeah. Just to show that there is a demand for Metroid, that people really do play and enjoy Metroid, and that uh, they would benefit from making more Metroid content. Man, speaking of the Game Awards needing Nintendo, Nintendo had like two commercials throughout the night and each of them was just for games that are already on the Switch and or like are already announced. And it was so funny because it would do like the cut to the red screen and the Switch graphic. And I was like, oh man, is this going to be a commercial for something cool? And then it would be like, Nintendo salutes its indie developers. And it would be like, they would show like five games that are already on Switch. Yeah, it's like Snipper Clips. Yeah, it, it was like snipper clips, or one of them they showed Eastward, which came out like four or five months ago. <laughs> I was like, all right, Nintendo, I get it. I get what you guys are doing, but yeah. Yeah, so I think we've talked quite a bit about the Game Awards. Um, yeah, I think that's all the airtime I want to give to the Game Awards. That's all, folks. Yeah, I'm glad it happened. I, I wish the people who run the Game Awards and the people who get awards would use their t- opportunity to like speak truth to power. And that happens every now and then, like... I don't know if you remember the year that uh, Disco Elysium won a bunch of awards. The developers got up on stage and they were like, we want to give a special thanks to Marx and Engels. And I was like, fuck yeah, honestly. Or that one time when Jeff spoke out, spoke out about what was happening at Konami with Kojima. Um... Glad to hear that he was he was really excited and ready to speak about Konami in very frank terms, but when it came to addressing abuses in the industry, he was only ready to give some kind of non-specific response, even though there are very specific companies he could have called out. So. Yeah, that's an unfortunate part about it. <sighs> it is. It is. But, but... Yeah, that's that's the game boards. So Noah, what are we playing? 
So I'm playing a game right now that actually won the Game Award for Best Art Direction in 2018. I'm playing Return of the Obra Din on my Nintendo Switch. It's also out on PC. I think it's also out on other consoles. And I'm fucking loving it. Obra Din is like a... What do you call it? It's not... It's not point and click, but it's kind of in the vein of like old mystery games. You play as an insurance person from the East India Company in like the 1800s, and a big boat called the Obra Dinn has just came to shore, and all 60 of its passengers are either dead or missing. So you are an insurance person with a magic stopwatch that allows you to relive like the last moments of an individual's life on the boat and it is spectacular it has this really cool art direction where it's very like pixely and i almost want to call it like pointillist where it's like it's very vibrant in the way it looks but it's monochromatic and it's like each individual little point and I really don't want to talk at all about the story here to try and convince people to go play it because very quickly you start reliving memories of people and it's just like the most bonkers shit is happening. But the the way you beat the game is you have the manifest of the ship with all 60 people and you have to attach names to people in a picture and then say how they died. So you have images of all 60 of them and you have to connect the images to the names and then say they were shot by so-and-so or they were killed with a sword by so-and-so. And the it's a little tough initially starting out when you kind of get your bearings and try to solve the first couple of deaths. But then once you start to get the hang of it and you start to piece together this story in your head of like, okay, the second mate was in this room here, and then immediately afterwards, this happened with this guy. And it's, I'm having a blast with it. Like, it is such a cool-looking game. It's made by uh, Lucas Pope, who's the same guy who made Papers, Please, which is not one I played, but I know of it, where that game you play as, you play like an immigration person in a vaguely Soviet-looking Eastern European country, and you have to make the decision to like let people into the country or not. But yeah, it's very cool. I can't recommend Return of the Obra Dinn enough. I think normally it's like 20 bucks on the Switch store, and I'm pretty sure it's cheaper on PC. But really, really cool game, and that's kind of everything I've been sinking my time into lately. What are you playing? Uh, <laughs> I started playing Dark Souls 3. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. It's beautiful. I'm getting, I really enjoy the combat. Like, it just feels, I like how you almost feel the weight of the sword you're using. Like, there's just something really about, like, like, haptics or just, like, the the weight of it um, that I'm really, like, feeling, really enjoying. It's hard as fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm on, uh, I'm on, like, the the boss you encounter before you're allowed to go to the like undead realm so his name is borscht he's like this uh animal like guy and like charges on all fours with you and uh yeah i keep fucking dying um it's really hard and like i read that he was like weak to electric but i have nothing that's electric at the moment and i'm like great that that's great to know very useful yeah. um so i don't know what to do i don't know if i need to go blacksmith and get some get some of my stuff upgraded and kind of at a, a standstill there trying to figure that out I really want to beat him before I leave to visit family in Florida next weekend because, or else I'll just be like on a cliffhanger there. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I leave to see family in Florida, 
I, I obviously I can't just like portably bring a PS5. <laughs> like it's not. I don't see why not? Yeah, but I will. I will definitely bring my Switch. And with bringing my Switch, I will probably boot up uh, Paper Mario because that was just added to the N64 expansion catalog. Ooh, oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, it was a little, a, a little bit of a weird shift. Dark Souls Three, Paper Mario, but yeah, yeah. Are you enjoying Dark Souls though, even though it is super difficult? I am enjoying it. I love going through like parts where you've died before and knowing like, okay, well, I died here. Here's how I do it better next time. And I feel like such a badass. Like, I'm going through one area where it's like, oh, I know this zombie guy peeks out on the left. So I hit him, and I know, like, this guy's about to turn into some giant monster. But if I kill him before he can, he doesn't turn into a giant monster. And I'm just, like, going through it, and I feel like, ha, 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 like, very, very choreographed. And then I'm just at this boss, and I'm just like, man, like, kind of, kind of going through it at the moment, so. Like, that's something that I really love about those games, is how choreographed it feels. And I don't know quite how that's going to work in an open world, but Elden Ring comes out in February. I am almost certainly going to pick that one up very soon after it comes out. So, Yeah. Another game I'm actually excited for to come out, where you're talking about games that come out next year, uh, is Stray. This game for the PS5, and it's where you play as a stray cat as they wander oh. through a city, presumably like a Japanese-looking city. Yeah. Um, and... I just love those types of games and you get to like encounter other cats and other people and like the dangers of of going through the city as a small animal and I I love that stuff and visually it looks stunning. It was supposed to come out right around now but it got pushed back till early 2022. Hmm. That sounds cool. I think I remember I remember seeing the trailer for that one with the cat and thinking like this looks really neat, but I don't have access to a PS5, so I'm just going to have to live that one vicariously through you. Yeah. Well, we'll have to. Someone get this man a PS5. I swear to God, someone, someone's gotta step up and do it. Nah, I don't need a PS5. I'm plenty happy with my PS4 that I have like four games for my Switch and my PS2 that I've hooked up to the TV right now. I what are you playing on the PS2? What are you doing with the PS2? So I have, my TV only has one component set, so I kind of switch out my PS2 and my GameCube. So like I told you, I played Pikmin recently, so I had my GameCube set up. But I switched my PS2 back in, and I've been dipping a little bit into Chrono Cross, which I guess maybe I should have mentioned this during when I was telling you what I was playing. But uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to dip a little bit into Chrono Cross after our discussions about it potentially being announced as a remade game, which, note, everybody thought was going to happen at the Game Awards, but it didn't happen. So not sure if that's still in the cards. But I don't know. I, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's very odd. It has a very strange battle system such that rather than normal RPGs where you're really focusing on prioritizing your health and your magic and how to how to get through without using all of your resources, like most of your magic spells regenerate right after you finish the battle. So it's like my main character has an attack called Ice Lance and I can use Ice Lance once, but when I finish the battle, it regenerates and I can use it the next battle. So... It's got kind of a strange battle system that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I'm not very far into it at all because I had a really hectic week and didn't have time to sit down and play it. But it's one of those RPGs that has like 45 different possible party members you can have. So there will be opportunities where you get to a point where like it, it reminds me of, you know, those memes where it's like you can tell who the main character of an anime is based on their color of their hair or stuff like that. <laughs> It's like you'll walk into a bar and there'll be four characters that look the same and then one guy who's like taller than all of them and has a much more elaborate costume and his character sprite is like much more well-defined 
and but it's i've noticed that like you'll see a character and you'll talk to them and you can either recruit them or sometimes if you choose not to recruit that character it will open up an avenue to recruit a different character so it's it's kind of neat you can kind of tell that it's a game that was meant to be played more than once but it is also like a 40 hour rpg so i don't know i don't think i'm at a point in my life where i'm gonna one even play this game to completion versus playing it like twice where maybe i would have done that when i was like 13 but i don't know i'm gonna keep trying to hammer away at it but Oberdin is definitely like my main priority right now and that's pretty much all i have what about you yeah i think that's pretty much it uh I talked about my frustrations with the Game Awards as an entity, and I got to talk a little bit about Sonic the Hedgehog, so I'm feeling pretty good. Tori, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter terminally online, although I am trying to impose the limits on myself. I'm trying to do a little, like, no screen time before 9 a.m. or after 9 p.m. I'm really trying, guys. It's really hard. Um, at Tori underscore as underscore always. You could find me on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, but it's spelled H-U-R-T-S. You can find the show on Twitter at press underscore start pod. And you can also shoot us emails with, I don't know, game recommendations or how much you love knuckles at heypressstart at gmail.com. We're still kind of in the phase here. Oh, wait, no, I need to do the music stuff too. Our intro and outro music is Burn Tap by Geist. You can listen to more of their music at n-o-a-h-g-e-i-s-t dot bandcamp dot com. And our art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. Uh, we're still kind of in that phase here for the holidays where our schedule is going to be a little wonky. So normally we try to get episodes out on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, somewhere in that region. But we'll be a little delayed here. But hopefully we'll be back to normal once January starts. So I think that's all we got. Enjoy gaming and play lots of video games. Same. All right. Doctor's orders. Doctor's orders. The doctor prescribed you with 50 cc's of Halo. 